Hey, this is Abby Sachek. Welcome to the New Culture Church podcast. Our vision is to create the culture of Christ in Madison, one person, one place at a time. We believe this happens through being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did. And we hope that the teachings and the content you find here will help you do just that. We also know that these are trying times. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us through our website. We would love to connect with you. We hope you enjoy this podcast. All right, everybody, we're going to go ahead and get started. Happy Sunday. So excited to be here with you guys today. My name is Nermalis, if we haven't met yet, and I'm the associate pastor here at New Culture. If we haven't had the chance to connect yet, I want to meet you. I want to connect. Make sure you flag me down. I'll be at the welcome table after service. I'd love to connect with you. I also want to reiterate a couple of the announcements that we had today because I'm just really excited about everything that's going on right now. Communities start on Tuesday, which are a huge part of our church and what we do. I'm beyond excited for our communities. They're neighborhood-based. So make sure that you're signing up for a community today. We've got two different downtown groups. We've got an east side and a west side. So make sure that you're getting signed up for communities. I'm also really excited about Alpha, which starts on Thursday. So if you're an Alpha, you just hang out with me every Thursday night. Uh, We eat food together. We watch um, different videos talking about different questions about faith. Um, We get to discuss it. And there's lots of room and safe space to ask all the questions that you have. It's a really special time. So I hope you're getting ready to sign up for Alpha. And I also really want to encourage you to sign up to come to fall retreat with us. I'm going, you're going, this is what we're doing, guys, okay? We're going to fall retreat. It's going to be a really special time to kind of break our daily rhythms, get in the presence of God, and have some fun, okay? Fun is a spiritual discipline that we don't practice enough, so we're going to have some fun. (laughs) All right, guys, we can get into the message now. (laughs) So we are starting a brand new sermon series today on the book of Philippians. But funnily enough, I will not be preaching out of the book of Philippians today. Instead, I will be preaching out of Acts. And here's why. Bear with me. The story of Philippians actually starts in Acts. So in the book of Acts, we actually get to see from Luke's perspective, who writes the book, how the church in Philippi is started and how it's birthed. And I think it's a really important bird's eye view of who the people of Philippi are and what God's plan for them is. And I think we have a lot to learn from how Philippians starts as much as we do from everything that happens in the book of Philippians. So we're going to start there, okay? Um, If you'll join me in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15... Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 15. Guys, this is going to be the test on my ability to say all of these different names. I'm going to say it with confidence, and we're all just going to believe I said it correctly. Okay? And they went through the region of Phygria and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. 
And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we, were supposed, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatria, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after that, she was baptized and her household as well. She urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So today, my so what and my now what, I'm going to give them to you right up front. My so what is you will have to choose your plan for your life or God's divine plan for your life. But you cannot have both. You will have to choose your plan for your life or God's divine plan for your life. You cannot have both. And our now what today is to live with open hands. Live with open hands. I'm gonna be using the word divine a lot today. And so I did wanna just like define that because it's kind of like a extra word. It's not like we don't use that in everyday language. So when I say divine, this is what I mean. It means holy or excellent without fault. So whenever I say divine, I'm saying holy or excellent without fault. It's funny because my first note right here says no. No. Where are all my little siblings at in the room? Do I have any younger siblings? Thank you. Okay, there's just a few of us. That's okay. I feel like this might be a universal experience of younger siblings. It's either that or it's a universal experience of the more rambunctious sibling. Um, I'm the youngest. I only have one older sibling. I have one sibling, and she's my big sister. Um, And between the two of us, I was definitely the more rambunctious. I was very bold. I was and am a little bit loud. Um, It's okay. I accept it about myself. Um, And I wasn't scared of very much. And the things I was scared of didn't stop me from doing what I wanted, with the exception of frogs. Frogs stopped me from doing anything. But everything else, I could power through being scared of it. And my sister realized when we were little that I wasn't scared of hearing no from my parents. So she would just make me ask for everything she wanted. So like we would be in the car, and she, we would drive by McDonald's, and she'd be like, Nedma, Nedma, ask mommy and papi if we can go to McDonald's. And I was like, that sounds like a great idea. And I was like, mommy, papi, can we go to McDonald's? And my mom would give me the answer. There's already food at home. Ya hay comida en la casa. Every time, there's already food at home. Okay? And I would throw a fit, and I would cry, and I would beg, and I would plead, and my mom would get mad, and I would get in trouble, and my sister was completely unfazed by the events that occurred. (laughs) I just feel like it's a universal experience for younger siblings, you know? Um, I did eventually grow to actively avoid being told no. That's a different story. No, we hate being told no. We hate 
putting ourselves out there at the risk of hearing no as the answer for a couple reasons, one of which being we've been trained to think that no is always negative. No is bad. No is negative. No is this bad thing. But also, because sometimes in our brains, yes makes more sense. Like, it makes complete sense that this answer would be yes. Like, let's look at Paul's situation really quick. He's spreading the gospel. He's doing his thing. By all counts, his ministry has been fruitful and successful. Every place he's gone, a church has come up and bloomed. So he's on mission when he heads towards the Asian province. He's on mission doing what God has called him to do. And he gets there and he can't get in. And they say no. So then he's like, okay, reroute. And he tries and he goes in from a different way. And the answer is no. And it doesn't make sense. In our brain, the logical thing would have been like, why in the world would the answer be no? Like, these people haven't heard about Jesus yet. Like, he's a missionary. He's advancing the gospel. He's living out the Great Commission. Why would the answer be no? No. I want you to think about it for just a second. Think about that time that you were sure you were going to get a yes. Like, you were absolutely positive. This makes sense. They're going to say yes. It's going to work out. This is my next step. And then you got a rejection letter in the mail. Or the email that said, we're moving forward with a different candidate. Or you were sure, you were sure you guys were about to sit down and talk. And you were on the pathway to getting a ring on your finger. And instead, y'all break up. The math isn't mathing, you know what I'm saying? Like when you knew you were going to get a yes and you got a no. And then you start praying. See, I, I grew up around like a lot of like old church mamas. This is the part when they start praying, in the name of Jesus. And they start binding and breaking stuff. And they're just rebuking everything they could think of to rebuke. And they're, just, they're doing their thing. Or maybe this is the part where you start playing the blame game. I got to know because so-and-so doesn't know how to do their job. They said no because I told this person to do that thing. And they just don't listen to me. And that's why it's a no. And we get mad. Or maybe this is the part where you just huddle up in a ball and cry and decide you're just never putting yourself out there again because no hurt your feelings. I've done all three. It's okay. (laughs) I want to propose to you the idea of divinely closed doors. Divinely closed doors. Do you know what I admire so much about Paul in this situation? Is he gets that first No. And what does scripture tell us? It tells us it was the Holy Spirit that forbid him. That no didn't come from the devil. There was no devil getting in the way of God's plan for what Paul was doing. The Holy Spirit said no. And then when Paul goes and tries again, it says, but the Spirit of Jesus prevented them. God said no. This this was a divine no. And Paul stopped long enough to discern that this was God. It wasn't the devil attacking him. He stopped long enough to realize that this was the Holy Spirit leading him. And he acknowledged the divinity in the no. And only because he was able to discern that the no was God keeping him on track for his plan, 
he got to Philippi, which is where God actually needed him to go. Philippi wasn't in Paul's plan. It was in God's plan. So my first kind of big point I want to talk about today is if you want God's divine plan for your life, you have to surrender your plan for your life. If you want God's divine plan for your life, you have to surrender God's plan for your life. I know some of you in the room are probably like the 10-year plan people. Like, I'm going to do this by the time I'm this old, and this at this point, and then this will happen next. And like, you have it all laid out. And then maybe some of you are like the, I'm just taking it one day at a time. You know, we both ends of the spectrum, somewhere in the middle. I've been both in different seasons of life. Um, I'm probably currently more like a one day at a time. Less by choice and more so by circumstance. Um, But today I want to challenge you. Because whether you're the one day at a time or you're the 10-year plan, when our plans go astray, something inside of us just like pinches and we hate it. Like it could be a simple, when I say plan, you planned to drive to the grocery store and you got a flat tire. And everything just gets all bundled up because our plan has been ruined. Our plan has gone to stray. And today I want to challenge you to surrender the plan I want to challenge you to relinquish, to relinquish your need for control. I'm not telling you to not have a plan. I'm telling you to hold your plan with open hands. When we have a death grip on our plans, and we're literally like choking the life out of this thing, we don't realize it, but the plan becomes God in our life instead of God. Because now every decision we make is about taking the next step towards our plan. And the center of our life becomes our plan instead of God. And we don't even realize it, but in the process of wanting things to go according to our plan, we knock God off of his throne in our life. And we fight to hold on to our plan, not even realizing that we are actively fighting against God. I want you to hear my heart right now. That thing you are holding so tightly to, that thing you are fighting to maintain control of, let go. Let go. God's plan is bigger than yours. God's plan is taking more into account than yours. God's plan is better than yours. God's plan might mean you have to hear a no in order to get to where you need to go. Just because your plan got derailed does not mean that his did. And I want to talk to the person in the room who feels frustrated by some closed doors. Step back. Take a breath. God is not finished with you. God's plan has not been broken He is not small. Your yes is coming. Surrender your plan. Hold it with open hands and let him give you his plan. The next part of the story I want to talk about is with this. It says God's plan for your life is not just about you. God's plan for your life is not just about you. So Paul realizes via the Holy Spirit in a dream um, that God is sending him to Philippi to preach the gospel there. So he and his companions, he's traveling with a group of people. 
Um, They go on this journey to get there. And in the passage I read, they have to, the direct route there included like four stops. Like that was the direct route. They're going the complete opposite direction of where they had originally been headed. And they're in Philippi for days before they decide they're going to go to a place known um, as a place of prayer. And they go on the day of the Sabbath. It's actually super significant that they go on the Sabbath. Um, And they're preaching to these women that are there. And of all the people gathered there, Scripture tells us that one woman gives her life to the Lord. One. Lydia gives her life to Christ. And she goes and she gets her family and her entire household is baptized. Paul and his team of missionaries, fun fact, don't start the church in Philippi. Lydia does. Paul and his missionaries reach Lydia. And that unlocks God's plan for her life. What if we were more concerned with God's plan than we are with our egos? It is easy to be like, well, if God is putting me through all this, he said, no, no, no. And then he sent me on this extra long journey to the city in Philippi. I'm going to be there and I'm going to preach in front of thousands of people and I'm going to do an altar call and there's going to be a bunch of people up at the front crying and it's going to be incredible. And they get there and after days of waiting, one person responds to the call. And it is so easy to be like, man, this isn't, this isn't great. Like, God commissioned me for greatness. What's so great about this? What a disappointment. This, this wasn't a successful trip. One person? I had a mentor in college who had this prayer that continually wrecks me. Um, and it was his motto for ministry. And he would pray it every single time before he preached, before he taught, before he did anything. His only prayer was, God, one more. God, one more. His vision for reaching people wasn't an auditorium full of people. It wasn't fancy worship sets. It wasn't everyone knowing his name. If I told you his name right now, you would have no idea who he was. The man doesn't even have, like, a Facebook page. His vision for ministry was that every time he preached the gospel, one more would come to know Christ. No ego, no counting heads, one more. One person said yes to Jesus. Lydia said yes to Jesus, and an entire church was born. But what if Paul got all up in his ego because his feelings were hurt, Because only Lydia said yes. All those people heard him and only one person said yes. Instead of realizing that that one yes changed the directory of a city and generations to come. It's not about you. You bear the burdens of obedience, not of the outcome. And I've been saying that a lot and learning that a lot. But part of that is not just you don't bear the burden of the outcome. It's you don't even have the right measure of success. So when you're talking about like what the outcome was, your measure of success is, doesn't line up with what God thinks is success. 
We get upset when not enough people come in the room or not enough people sign up or not enough people praise how we did it. And God's measure of success was Lydia got saved. That's it. That was the mission. Lydia got saved. Philippi was Lydia's mission, not Paul's. Lydia got saved. But maybe God just needs you to talk to that one person. Because their yes is why he told you no to the other thing you wanted so bad. Because their yes is worth more than that thing that you fought for. God won more. So I want to talk to the person who feels like they're doing what they're doing isn't so great. To the person that feels discouraged by the outcome. It's time to relinquish the burden of the outcome and to walk in the burden of obedience. There is a Lydia that needs to hear what you have to say, and she might be the only one, but it's going to change generations. God's plan isn't about boosting your ego. It's about the one. And the next part of the story I want to talk about goes with this. I want to say there is a plan, and it is in motion. There is a plan, and it is in motion. Lydia was outside of the city walls. And the author, which is Luke, makes the point that it was on the Sabbath that they went and did this. Why is that important? Because the fact that she was outside of the city walls, at a place of prayer... It says that she was a worshiper of God, so she was a Jew. She worshiped Yahweh. She would have always been at the place of prayer on the Sabbath. She would have always been there praying. She was a Jew. She spent her whole life waiting for the promised Messiah, for the Savior to come with no answer to her prayer. How many times had she gone there and had no idea that God was telling Paul, to go on this wild goose chase to get to Philippi. She had no idea that God was working things out to give her the answer to her prayer. And here she is at the place of prayer where she likely spent every Sabbath a faithful believer who would have been at this place all the time. And while Lydia was waiting and praying, God had a plan in motion to get to her. I just like, when you really think about it, like it's insane. Lydia was just living her life, minding her business. It says she was a trader of um, purple cloth. That was really expensive. So she worked in textiles. She had a job. And she was just taking her day off and coming before her God to pray a prayer that she'd gotten used to not having an answer to, having no idea that what was about to happen would lead to thousands of years later a woman preaching about her in Madison, Wisconsin. Like she had no idea. But there is a plan, and it is in motion. And God had a plan for Lydia. And it was happening without her even knowing it. So to the person in this room that has been faithfully on your knees, asking God for the plan, the person who's been praying with no answer, to the person who feels forgotten by God, hear this, God has not forgotten you. There is a divine plan, and it is in motion. I know you can't see it. I know that you don't know it, 
but what you've been praying for is on the way. Keep praying, keep showing up, keep engaging in community, keep reading your Bible, keep raising your hands in worship. There is a plan and it is in motion. God has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. He will not forget you. He will not forsake you. There is a divine plan for your life. And there is something inside of you that God has a plan for. The thing you've been praying for is on the way. It may not look like you thought it would. Lydia spent her whole life waiting for the Savior, and these dudes show up one day and are like, your Savior was actually this lowly servant. And he's dead, but then was brought back to life because he resurrected. I highly doubt that's what she expected to hear, was that it was like this random guy that was born in Bethlehem, and that's the Savior of the world. So the answer might not look like what you think it does, but it's coming Keep praying and keep your hands open. There is a plan and it is in motion. I'm going to go ahead and close. The worship team is going to come up. If you guys could all stand up on your feet. In the coming weeks, we're going to be reading through the book of Philippians. We're going to preach about it. We're going to discuss it. Um, we're going to learn about what it looks like to live like Christ. Um, all from the book of Philippians, but there's a lesson to be learned before we read even the first verse of Philippians. There was a divine plan for the people in Philippi. There was divine course of events that led to the church being born in Philippi. And we miss the story, we miss the power when we gloss over the divinity. When we treat it like it was this random course of events that just so happened to work out to make it happen. There was a divine God with a divine plan that coupled with the obedience of a few accomplished great things. You will have to choose between your plan for your life or God's divine plan for your life, but you cannot have both. This week, I've spent a lot of time on the phone um, with my pastors from college. They've guided me through a lot of different things this week. Um, and one of the things that we keep talking about is this idea of this God that goes before us and this incredible divine God and how his hand moves in our lives in such divine ways and we don't even notice. Because without even realizing it, we have a tendency to shrink God down and we make him like us because that's more digestible. We understand humanity. We are human. We don't understand divinity. It's too big for us to fully comprehend. So we shrink God down so we can understand him better. But he's not like us. He's divine and his ways are divine. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he has a plan that is bigger than ours. If we minimize his divinity, we won't trust his plan because if he's not divine and his plan is not divine and holy, then it is only as trustworthy as we are. And if you've been around humans for five seconds, we're not very trustworthy. That's why we end up thinking that we're God and we're the one man, one woman show that can do it all because we don't trust nobody. But when we realize God is holy, he is not a man that he should lie. 
He is divine and his plan for our life is divine and it can be trusted. He is a plan. It is divine because he is divine. So now you have to choose your plan or his. My now what for today was to live with open hands. And this is the art of surrender. This is a practice of trusting God enough to say, give it to me or take it from me. Either way, you're still God and you're still good and you still have my yes. For me in my life, it has looked like the practice of simple prayers, really simple prayers. And when the thought of that thing comes into my mind, whatever I'm trying to control, whatever's going off track, it's just simply saying, Lord, I surrender blank to you. That's it. Just this simple prayer. Not all the fancy words. Not, sometimes we don't gotta do all that. It's as simple as, Lord, I surrender this to you. And taking a breath and resetting. And if I have to pray that 70 times that day, then I have to pray it 70 times that day. But Lord, I surrender this relationship to you. Lord, I surrender my finances to you. Lord, I surrender my career to you. Lord, I surrender my dreams to you. Lord, I surrender this degree to you. Lord, I surrender my health to you. I surrender this to you. Another really simple practice I do is like brain dumping. So literally taking a piece of paper and writing every single thing that is clouding my brain and making me anxious, all the things I'm trying to control that I can't control, throwing it on a piece of paper and literally at the bottom of it, I've literally written this prayer so many times in my journal, but just saying, Lord, I surrender to you. You are God and I am not. You are God and I am not. Learning to live with open hands and a posture of surrender. They're gonna lead us in a time of worship, and as we worship, I want you to surrender to the person who is frustrated by the no right now. Open your hands. To the person who's frustrated by the outcome, open your hands. And to the person who feels forgotten by God in this plan, open your hands and worship there's this practice that like we see all the time like people like raising their hands and I think it's really funny I remember talking to a friend of mine who didn't step foot in a Christian church until he was 23 had never been in a Christian church and he said he remembers sitting there being shook because there was a bunch of people doing karaoke and raising their hands and he like didn't get it but like this act of raising your hands means something it's a physical act of surrender. It's saying, God, I give it to you and I receive whatever it is you have for me. So I wanna encourage you today, if you're comfortable, or maybe it's a little out of your comfort zone, but like you know right here, like you really need to do it. If you have something to surrender today, put out your hands. It doesn't have to be one of these. It can be one of these. Whatever it looks like for you but open your hands and surrender today. I'm gonna go ahead and pray for us and then we're gonna go into a time of worship and surrender. God, I thank you because you are sovereign, you are divine, you are holy, 
you are unshakable, immovable, and there is nothing you cannot do. I thank you because you are the God that goes before us, that stands behind us, and walks with us. God, I thank you because every giant mountain in our head, Scripture says, this is but a light thing for you. So, Lord, whatever it is that we're holding so tightly to, whatever dream it is we're scared to let go of, whatever relationship it is that we're scared to let go of, whatever it is we're holding so tightly to, God, I give it to you. Teach us to release what we cannot control. Give us hearts that are humbled and realize you are God and we are not. God, I pray that you come and you bring comfort to the Lydia in the room that's been praying and praying and waiting and waiting and not seeing anything, has been waiting on that word but hasn't gotten it yet. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and meet her and or him even now. That there is a plan for the life of every person in this room. It is in motion. You are doing great things. Teach us to be surrendered to that, God. We want your will, not ours. We want your best, not ours. Thank you because you're better. You're better. Lord, we need you, and we surrender to you today. In your holy name I pray, amen.